Peace to you. Welcome back to the Naked Truth. We're going to pick up where we left off with the book of 2 Samuel. We've made it to chapter 8. If you want to read along with me, let's begin with verse 1. After this, it came to pass that David attacked the Philistines and subdued them. And David took Methag Ammah from the hand of the Philistines. So um, David is the same David and Goliath. David, he's ascended to ruler over the kingdom now as the second king of the Jewish people. Saul was the first. He's dead now. Now uh, David's taking his place. And he's doing like lots of people do when they get power. He's forgetting where he came from. And he's getting caught up in the power and flexing it. Um, the um, people who he's talking, who he's warring with, fighting with, um, attacking, are the Philistines. They've been enemies of the people that David is akin to. But they've also been allies to him when his own people... The Israelites were chasing him. The king, Saul, uh, had an army chasing him from place to place to place trying to kill him. The people who he, who he sought asylum from were the Philistines. The people who gave him that asylum were the Philistines. The people who gave him a place to stay, him and the people who defected with him, were the Philistines. And yet you see now, he's turned on them and attacking them. Now, it doesn't mean it's the same Philistines, but it is the same nation of people who helped him out before, now he's attacking them. Verse 2, then he defeated Moab, forcing them down to the ground. He measured them off with a line. With two lines, he measured off those to be put to death, and with one full line, those to be kept alive. So the Moabites became David's servants and brought tribute. So he's doing the same thing that was done to him. He's um, now battling with the people who live there and forcing them into submission. Uh, the same thing that um, his forefathers, his, the patriarchs in the Bible, uh, did, not the ancient ones, but the more recent ones when they went into the so-called promised land and began taking it, colonizing it from the people who already lived there. Much the same way Christopher Columbus didn't discover America. No, he came to America and then started Taking and taking it from the people who lived here and killing them to take it uh, and colonizing it. It's basically the same formula, the same thing that happened. Um, verse 3, David also defeated Hadadazer, the son of Rehob, king of Zobah, as he went to recover his territory at the river Euphrates. So just like I was saying with colonization, that's what uh, the one we're talking about now, uh, Hadadazer, was trying to do. He's trying to get back the area that was taken from him and his people uh, by the colonizers. In this case, it was uh, the Israelites who colonized that area. Um, but apparently he wasn't successful because he tried to to um, to um, recover the land that was taken. But it, like it says in verse 3, he was defeated. Uh, verse 4, David took from him 1,000 chariots, 700 horsemen, and 20,000 foot soldiers. Also, David hamstrung all the chariot horses, except that he spared enough of them for 100 chariots. <coughs> Excuse me. So that seems extra unnecessary and cruel to the animals. The animals are just uh, subject to whoever's their uh, animal parent, owner. Um, so it's cruel to um, hamstring the, uh, the, the horses because once a horse can't run anymore, walk uh, is lame now they just shoot them they kill them um it, it, 
the horses have to stand for their circulation sake. So if they can't stand up anymore, it's basically a cool, slow death for them after that. So people consider it, consider it a humane thing to um, assist in the suicide, to kill an animal when it's laying a horse like that. Um, but the hamstringing uh, sounds exactly, I mean, I think it is exactly like it sounds, where you um, tear out the hamstring and the uh, legs. So just horrible. But however it is, they've killed them, but spared a few um, showpiece type horses to keep. Verse 5, when the Syrians of Damascus came to help Hadadzeir, king of Zobah, David killed 22,000 of the Syrians. So David seems kind of bloodthirsty. He's um, killed off the Philistines. He's killed off the Syrians. He's um, uh, attacked uh, uh, Hadadzeir and his people. Um, so like I said, he's ascended to power and he's flexing it. Verse 6, then David put garrisons in Syria of Damascus, and the Syrians became David's servants and brought tribute. So the Lord preserved David wherever he went. So the narrator is giving credit. The narrator is not Samuel, even though it's called the book of 2 Samuel. Samuel is long dead by this point. Um, so um, um, the narrator who or scribe who's looked back on these events and um, scribed them, wrote them down, passed them down um, to be remembered, uh, saying that uh, the Lord, giving the Lord credit for uh, these events, uh, monstrous events of killing people, hamstringing animals, and um, taking what's not theirs, um, and betraying the people who were uh, 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 who gave him asylum previously. Um, but it is how I read, so let's keep reading. Verse 7. Oh, and by the way, Lord, here is being translated from the word or name Jehovah again in this chapter at this point. Verse 7. And David took the shields of gold that had belonged to the servants of Hadidazer and brought them to Jerusalem. So on top of it all, David's looting the um, people who he's defeated in wars and battles taking their stuff and return, bringing it back to himself, such as the gold, golden shields. Verse 8, also from Bela and from Birotha, Birotha, excuse me, cities of Hadidazir, King David took a large amount of bronze. So he's um, taking, basically plundering the places that he's uh, defeated. Verse 9, when Toy, king of Hamath, heard that David had defeated all the army of Hadidazer, so now another king in the area, in the region, has heard of what's been going on, and that Hadidazer, another king, had been defeated and plundered. Verse 10, then, to, um, then Toy sent Joram, his son, to King David to greet him and bless him, because he had fought against Hadidazer, and defeated him for Hadidazer and had been at war with Toy. And Joram brought with him articles of silver, articles of gold, and articles of bronze. So um, uh, rather than battle with David and his army, Toy, another king in the area, um, um, voluntarily took tribute to him 
trivial would be just like we can pay taxes or um, a peace treaty or a peace offering, I should say, some sort of inducement to enrich uh, someone else to be agreeable to you, like a settlement. He's so um, that's what he's doing. He's taking riches to David also. Uh, verse 11, King David also dedicated these to the Lord, along with the silver and gold that he had dedicated from all of the nations which he had subdued. So David, it's saying that David is um, dedicating all the plunder of those places, all the precious metals, the gold, the silver, the bronze, that he's looting from the different areas. He's dedicating it to God. And I'm just saying God because that's uh, would be the English translation of the deity um, that's being worshipped. Although, in this instance, the word, like I said before, that's being translated to the English word Lord is Jehovah, um, not who I believe to be God Almighty um, for reasons we've already talked about a bunch of times, so I won't go into them again. Um, verse 12, from Syria, from Moab, from the people, did we skip one? Let me see. Um, just in case we did, I'm going to reread 11. King David also dedicated these to the Lord, along with the silver and gold that he had dedicated from all the nations which he had subdued. So he's adding the bronze to the silver and the gold of the plunder that he's taken from the different nations around him that he's fought with, attacked, and taken. Verse 12, from Syria, from Moab, from the people of Ammon, from the Philistines, from Amalek, and from the spoil of Hadadazer, the son of Rehob, king of Zobah. So those are all different areas that have their own individual kings in that region that David was able to go around and fight with, battle with, and plunder excuse me, and he's, uh, it says he's dedicating these things to the Lord, and if it's anything like how um, things uh, taken in battle were dedicated in previous books in the Old Testament, it means that they're given to the religious leaders, so that the religious leaders just get fatter and fatter and wealthier and wealthier, rather than redistributing, redistributing it to everyone in the uh, nation so that no one is impoverished, no one is homeless. Um, it would seem that's how it should be. That's not how it is then, and that's not how it is now. Um, verse um, 13, and David made himself a name, and he returned from killing 18,000 Syrians in the Valley of Salt. So um, yet another battle that David's engaged in. It's called the Valley of Salt. It makes me think that that's probably where the Dead Sea is. The salt, uh, the Dead Sea, um, since it's so salty, that that's probably uh, where it, um, where this is talking about. But it could be someplace else, because um, there are lots of salt mines around the world. That's probably could be just one of them. Verse fourteen. He also put garrisons in Edom, throughout all Edom. He put garrisons and all the Edomites became David's servants and the Lord preserved David wherever he went. So um, even the Edomites, they also along with the Moabites and all those other nations we talked about, 
that we've read about now um, basically have submitted themselves to David um, either in battle or voluntarily that he's basically going to be the head of their government, the head of state, the president, the leader, the boss, the king. That's what they've um, decided to make him as ruler over even them. Some of them are actually distant relatives of the Israelites, uh, such as Edom, and such as, um, um, what was the other one? Some of the Amalekites. And some of those other ones that we read off by name are actually just distant relatives related through some of the patriarchs that we've read about in what we call the Old Testament. Verse 14, he also put garrisons in Edom. Throughout all Edom, he put garrisons. And all the Edomites became David's servants. And the Lord preserved David wherever he went. So the Edomites, that was another um, descendants of Esau, Jacob's brother, if I remember right. Also relatives of um David's family, uh, in David's family tree, they're in there too. And he's now ruling even over them also. Verse 15. So David reigned over all Israel and David administered judgment and justice to all his people. So it's saying that David was a righteous judge and king over the people, at least to this point. Verse 16. Um, so now it's going to basically name off the different people in his cabinet, his administration. So unless the name stands out to me, I'm just going to keep reading through them. Verse 16, Joab, the son of Zariah, was over the army. Jehoshaphat, the son of Ali Ahilud, was recorder. Zadok, the son of Ahitub, and Ahimelech, the son of Abiathar, were the priests. Sariah was the scribe. So uh, we read about these priests and how um, their fathers, their forefathers, were massacred by uh, Saul's army when they, he felt betrayed by them. Um, so they're still allied with um, David and Israelites who escaped um, that mistreatment. Um, and they're acting as the priests, the ones who are the contact point, contact person what it is God would have people know and do. Um, verse 18. Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, was over both the Sherathites and the Pelethites, and David's sons were chief ministers. So those Sherathites and Pelethites, they uh, come up again and again here and there throughout the Bible. I'm really not sure what they are, who they are, um, but they seem to be just another nation of people that are among the Israelites to this point. Um, and what's the other? Um, oh, and also David made his sons, his family members, heirs to the throne, basically, and, and gave them rulership over the people so they weren't just like anyone else, like the common people. They were royalty. They were elites. Um, that was the last verse in this chapter, though, so that's where we'll end this reading. As always, thank you for joining me for The Naked Truth. I hope you'll join me again. I hope it's a blessing for you. I love you, and I'll see you next time. Peace be with you.